Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. If you love Atlanta, you can invest in the big picture. Learn more at cfgreateratlanta.org. I'm Erlon Woods. I'm Nigel Poor. We're the hosts and creators of Ear Hustle from PRX's Radiotopia. Ear Hustle is a show about life inside prison, but it's not your typical prison podcast. In this next season, we've got stories about the objects people keep inside their prison cells. About residents in a women's prison who say they want to stay there. And the most beautiful prison garden. Erlon, I will never forget it. Ear Hustle. Stories about life on the inside, told by those who live it. Find Ear Hustle wherever you get your podcasts. From WABE in Atlanta, this is Closer Look. I'm Rose Scott. It is a very busy weekend in Atlanta. Labor Day weekend is always bustling around these parts, you all know. Now, coming up, we'll hear how some event organizers are preparing with safety and other security measures, and that includes Atlanta Black Pride. Plus, how the success of managing this weekend's crowds will influence those upcoming fall festivals and other outdoor events. Plus, longtime Atlanta journalist Portia Bruner is leaving the anchor desk and trying to take my seat. She's going to be a talk show host. All those conversations coming up. But first, this Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi was in town yesterday, flanked alongside fellow Congresswoman Nakima Williams. Pelosi says Atlanta should benefit by the Inflation Reduction Act and specifically by a multi-billion dollar program to reconnect communities that were divided by the building of our nation's interstate highways. When we passed the infrastructure bill, people said, is this going to be more of the same building things that divide communities. We promised that it would not, in fact, that it would connect communities. And in the bill, there is a reconnecting communities pilot program, a billion dollars. Pelosi says the Inflation Reduction Act provides another $3 billion to the program. Now, some in Atlanta have actually floated the idea of connecting communities here by connecting parts of the downtown connector. So hang with me. They mean linking the downtown connector to the east and west. They'll just have to figure that out. In other news, when the story broke this week, the Atlanta Medical Center will be, will be closing its doors in November. Well, candidates for governor jumped on the issue. WABE Sam Greenglass reports on the politics of the closure and how health care could shape the fall election. Democrat Stacey Abrams quickly tied the closure to her Republican opponent, incumbent Governor Brian Kemp. Abrams says hospitals that serve many uninsured patients have shuttered across the state. And it's not because they don't have enough patients. They've got enough. It is because we have a governor who refuses to expand Medicaid. Wellstar, which owns the center, and Kemp's office have pushed back on the idea that offering more Georgians health insurance through Medicaid would have saved the hospital. A Kemp spokesman says the governor will keep working to expand health care access. Atlanta Mayor Andre Dickens says he was blindsided by the news. He pressed Wellstar for more information on what the closure will mean for patients and also for the hospital's employees and the large plot of land it now occupies near downtown. Sam Greenglass, WABE News. And as mentioned, yes, it's going to be a very busy weekend here in the city. And businesses in downtown Atlanta, well, they're hoping that means events like Dragon Con will bring in customers. That annual pop culture convention is predicted to attract upwards of 60,000 attendees. Gene Way is the general manager of Firehouse Subs. He says the pandemic forced him to cut his staff to just seven people. During Dragon Con, I had to grow that seven to at least 20. 
and 25 is the optimal number. I mean, as far as over the years of experience, 25 seemed to be the perfect number. Well, how important is Dragon Con? Way says the money the restaurant makes during Dragon Con will carry their firehouse sub location through the end of the year. And a cool programming note, WAB's All Things Considered will broadcast live from Dragon Con this afternoon. Join Jim Burris starting at 4 o'clock. Not sure if Jim will be dressed as a stormtrooper or a hobbit, but who knows? And finally... Some teams couldn't try to stop Georgia. Oregon at least has the talent to be able to do so. I think the best thing that, that Oregon has working for them is that everybody's saying, well, they can't do it. They're not going to be able to pull it off. Ah, what do they know? Those are the experts from ESPN's College Football Live discussing Saturday's game between the Bulldogs and Oregon. I don't know. I think the dogs got this. But the University of Georgia's football team, yes, it's opening its season, looking to defend last year's national title. That game will take place, of course, at Atlanta's Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Oregon comes in ranked at number 11. Now, Bulldogs head coach Kirby Smart said, you know what, playing a big matchup to open the season has its perks. It fires up your fan base. It fires up your off-season workouts. So that's, you know, when we scheduled this one a while back, we knew the kind of team that Oregon was going to have. Um, and we expect to have that same kind of team, so it makes for a great matchup. For Georgia players and coaches, the game features a familiar face across the sidelines. UGA's defensive coordinator from last season, Dan Lanning, is now the head coach of the Ducks. The game is set for kickoff tomorrow at 3.30. And also, just so y'all don't send me an email, what about my school? Well, Georgia State kicks off its season Saturday night in an away game against the University of South Carolina. Kickoff is at 7.30. Clark Atlanta opens its season Saturday on the road. Kickoff is at 3 p.m. against Edward Waters University. That's in Jacksonville, Florida. And the Maroon Tigers of Morehouse College, they have their home opener at BT Harvey Stadium, 6 p.m. against the University of West Alabama. And the Ramblin' Wreck of Georgia Tech, well, they take on Clemson at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Kickoff is 8 p.m. That's Monday, Labor Day evening. So lots of football, which also means lots of chips and dip. Chicken wings, fried tofu, your favorite locally brewed IPA, and yes, this, the most overused traditional stadium rock anthem ever. Hit it, Kevin. This song gets on my nerves. Actually, my goodness, as producer Daniel told me earlier, quote, it's a good riff, but there are meteor riffs out there. Okay, shout out to the White Stripes. This is Closer Look from WAB in Atlanta. We're back in a moment. Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. You can go beyond giving to impact. Learn more at cfgreateratlanta.org. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly, and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U.
And Closer Look continues from WABE in Atlanta. I'm Rose Scott. Atlanta police say more officers will be in downtown this weekend ahead of several major events. Dragon Con, Black Pride, and the Football Kickoff Classic. They're expected to bring thousands, and I do mean thousands, of people to the city. Now, Major Brian Schiffbor is APD's District 5 commander. We'll have a lot of extra police officers patrolling the streets this weekend. So if you need assistance, ask one of our officers or call 911. And he also said he's warning drivers not to leave anything in their cars. Now, some property crime is up in Atlanta, with APD reporting nearly 5,500 car break-ins so far this year. Meanwhile, event organizers are preparing with safety and security measures. That does include Atlanta, the annual Atlanta Black Pride. This brings folks from all over, with many of the related events happening at Piedmont Park. Joining me now with more is Bishop Oliver Clyde Allen III. His peeps call him Bishop O.C. Allen. I'm not sure where I fit in. But (laughs) outside of his work as a senior pastor and founder of the Vision Cathedral of Atlanta, known as the Vision Church, he's also a human rights advocate and is also a national ambassador and consultant for the NAACP Black Church HIV Initiative. Bishop, welcome back to the program. Spend some time. Thank you for having me. Let's begin here because you've been working with Atlanta Black Pride for a number of years now. It's just more than a celebration and entertainment. You all make sure that there are some health and wellness and other forums and and events that are taking place. Uh, What can we expect this year that you want to highlight the most? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's always such a pleasure to to connect with you and to connect with uh, the community through you. Um, We're really excited about Atlanta Black Pride weekend and all of the events that will happen over the next few days. I think the thing that I want to highlight as we normally do as is not just the entertainment mm-hmm. and you know bringing people together for the period community festival at piedmont park on sunday um it's also the empowerment you know mm-hmm. we have politicians we have entertainers we have activists we have advocates we have community-based organizations and grassroots organizations that will be there to talk to the community in between having a great time it's also by educating ourselves the one thing that we are focusing on mm-hmm. in a really big way this year is uh monkeypox mm-hmm. and educating people on monkeypox we're providing monkeypox vaccinations at the park mm. throughout the day several um entities will be making sure that that happens we're really excited about that and it's really a part of a trajectory of uh, monkeypox events that we've been doing over the past couple of weeks. Even at the Vision Cathedral, mm-hmm. where I pastor, we did a monkeypox vaccine um, event and, uh, last Saturday, and we'll be doing one August 24th at the church. It was very mm-hmm. successful. We uh, vaccinated over 100 people. So and it's been really great. And we should note, because this just came out earlier today before I came on air, and this is from the Department, uh, the, the State Department of Public Health, saying they're going to offer monkeypox vac- vaccinations at various locations and times during Atlanta Black Pride. And I remember just even a few months ago as the nation was starting to deal with this, and I spoke to health officials who also wanted to be very careful that the messaging, although we knew that this vi- the virus was mostly being contracted through men who have sex with men, they wanted to be very clear that anyone could contract it. And they was concerned about stigma. And you and I both know yes. the history of stigma with STDs and STIs in, in the black community here. How, how important is that for you also to get that message out there? I think that's what drives what we do is making sure that 
um, we send the message of everybody making their health a priority, no matter who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think with many viruses, uh, you can see historically that some viruses do start with certain populations, certain populations, you know, um, if you're going to curb a particular virus or a mm-hmm. particular pandemic, you know, you want to look at the data, you want to look at the numbers, you want to look at who is at risk. And so I, I think while there has been conversation about um, how we're talking about stigma, we do need to talk about the communities that are most impacted by mm-hmm. that. But having said that, I think it is critical and important that, you know, any, any, um, public health emergency in any community is a public health emergency for us all. And we need to see it that way. So even if it does not directly impact me, mm-hmm. um, because I'm a human being, you know, because I share this earth with other people that I should do my part of educating people. We can, we all can play a role in helping to improve the health of, of the people around us. Has there been lessons learned in terms of outreach and, and awareness as it relates to even we can go back to the late 80s and 90s with HIV AIDS, then of course you could, the pandemic, which we're all still dealing with, then up to monkeypox. Has, has there, there are still some challenges, still some of the same underlying problems, but can you also point to some successes and lessons learned from those especially back with HIV AIDS that we've all learned as a community and how we need to get the message out about practicing safe sex behavior, whatever that looks like for folks, and also getting treatment, getting access to care, all of that. Absolutely. I think the first thing is when we look at the 80s and the 90s, there was a messaging problem. Mm-hmm. There was Obviously, there was a stigma problem, but I don't think that there was a lot of emphasis on really educating people on the basics around public health, the basics around a virus, the basics on transmission, and then the basics on treatment. There was obviously not the same type of treatment at that time as there is now, mm-hmm. but there, there, you know, what, what we've learned from not only HIV, but from COVID is that if we don't educate people on the basics of what it is, how it is transmitted, um, and, and what treatment can look like, then we create this absolute emergency um, that in some ways could be uh, curbed. And so what we have focused on, we had a town hall meeting on Wednesday at Mm -hmm. Freight Depot uh, and absolutely wonderful, sponsored by Gilead Sciences um, to really just educate people and not just educate the community. One of the great things about that event was that there were a lot of providers there because I think the other gap is while we're talking about you know, educating community, sometimes we don't spend as much time talking to providers, talking to doctors, talking Mm -hmm. to nurses, talking to the people who actually are in the room uh, when we, you know, need a diagnosis or trying to figure out what's going on with our bodies. They need to be as educated as we do. You know, Mm -hmm. I I think um, uh, there's this assumption Mm -hmm. that, that those who work in medical care or healthcare are, are always as informed. So I think it's important that the people who have the information um, not only make sure that the community is informed, but that um, the people who um, are working in healthcare are as informed as well. And, 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 and informed on not just 
the 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 virus itself, mm-hmm. but how to talk about the virus because stigma doesn't just happen within communities, within families, within you know our friends and our networks. It happens, you know, on in the power structures, mm-hmm. and so we, that's where the work is. I think there there I see a lot of improvement. There are a lot of uh, places where you know people are wanting to get vaccinated for monkeypox, specifically for monkeypox. The challenge has been just getting enough vaccines into arms. But I do see uh, enormous amount of hope that people are at least trying. There are a lot of people in the community trying and that we just have to continue to do our best. And so with all the events tied to Atlanta Black Pride this weekend, are you reaching that demographic within this population or is there still more to do? And I'm particularly and I'm thinking of the younger you know, maybe that below 35, I sound like somebody, auntie, them youngins, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, hey. that younger population. Absolutely. Oh, completely. That That is one of the reasons why we work really, really, really hard to ensure that vaccination events happened all over the city mm-hmm. during all types of events to make sure that it was accessible. So we're educating people. But, you know, once people get the information, it's like, OK, so where do I go? And if it, if if the barrier is transportation or the barrier is location or the barrier, you know, there are some other barriers, then it interferes with people's ability to to take the information and apply it. And so what we wanted to do was to make sure that even at the event, you hear about it, you, you know, get vaccinated for monkeypox, get the vaccine, get the vaccine, vaccine. But the great part is you can turn left and you can go to the other room. You can walk straight ahead. You know, you can walk five feet and get this uh, this vaccine. So, so in other words, you turn, turn, turn around and you should see somebody waiting with it. Absolutely. <laughs> with Absolutely. <you. laughs> Let's talk. That's ab- the way to do it. There right? you go. Bishop, I also <laughs> want to talk about this, too, because you have so much going on and some wonderful people coming in. And Amaya Scott, I just love uh, who's been on this show before. But a portion of the proceeds from this weekend's festivities will benefit homeless LGBTQ youth and those infected or affected with HIV AIDS um, via the Vision Community Foundation. You know, I I was doing a report. We did a segment uh, not too long ago dealing with youth who are caught up in in sex trafficking and often people, how they, again, paint stigmas and the perceptions of who's out here in terms of the homeless and who also might get caught up in activity. And often the LGBTQ youth are the last that folks focus on. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely um, it it lets us know we have a lot of work to do on all levels. If you're talking about homelessness, you're talking about housing. Mm -hmm. If you're talking about stigma, you're talking about communities that uh, have been historically stigmatized and primarily are at risk for all the, you know, all the disparities, all the things that we've just talked about. and so there, there, there is a lot of work to be done, which is why all of our events are focused on making sure that we can um, develop, raise, and um, get the resources that are needed to get to the most, most at-need uh, populations, and particularly um, young LGBT youth mm-hmm. and those who are of color. Mm-hmm. Those are the communities that we want to focus on. And that's why we're, ha- you know, we're having a great time. We're going to party, but we're going to party with the cause. <laughs> and you're going to party with some safety measures in place. Let's talk about that, because before we, I let you go now, 
depending on who you ask, the reason why Music yeah. Midtown didn't happen, it had could have done had something to do with Georgia's new permitless carry law, but I don't want to get into that. But security is of mine. Bishop, as you know, and we don't even need to even call it by what it is, but folks is being concerned about what happens when there are large gatherings of folks. You know, yes. What can you ensure folks, you know, as much as you all can in terms of safety at some of these events? We have really, really worked hard. And I, I want to, you know, thank our all of our volunteers, our teams, our organizers. We have a lot of teams, a lot of groups, a lot of committees, a lot of organizations that are helping to provide safety uh, and make sure that the all of our events are really safe. We have 50 of Atlanta's finest police officers that have been assigned to the festival just itself. You know, that's mm-hmm. a pretty robust number that will be present, that will be there, that will be accessible so that if people need any type of care, if, if people see anything, if, if there are any challenges, that they are present, that they are right mm-hmm. there. We also have 100 volunteers Mm-hmm. that will be uh, providing crowd control, that will be monitoring the crowds, monitoring, um, you know, any anything that's around. Uh, we're, we, we have our volunteers that will be working with with uh, the, our police officers. And then, you know, we've I, I really appreciate the Atlanta PD that has worked with us to develop plans and strategies to provide uh, safety. So it's not mm-hmm. just about, you know, having police present. Mm-hmm. It's also about the fact that they've, really worked with us we appreciate the city we appreciate atlanta pd for helping to develop strategies for us so we we're doing everything that we can to ensure that people can have a great time but have a great time safely and to enjoy atlanta this is one of the best cities in the world look at you absolutely hands (laughs) down and so we want people to you know come to the atl and you know want to stay you know i mean like we want people to feel really great about our city so we, we we're doing everything that we can all right. And also, don't be littering in our city. Pick up your trash, folks. Uh, Bishop, Please. <laughs> Please. <laughs> you know I got to add that. Bishop Oliver Clyde Allen III, Bishop O.C. Allen, thank you so much, as always, for taking the time. Thank you for what you all are doing to help so many young folks as well. Thank you, Rose. And thank you for your for being a, a, such a profound voice in our community. I did want to, if I could put this little tidbit in here, sure. that we, you know, anybody that wants to get information on our events, you can go to AtlantaPrideWeekend.com. AtlantaPrideWeekend.com will give you a list of all of the events and everything that's happening throughout the city. If you want monkey pox vaccines throughout the city, you can get that information. But we have a uh, vaccine pop-up event that will happen at the Vision Cathedral of Atlanta. Uh, on Saturday, August 24th, and that's 704 Armwood, not too far. Well, August is over. August is over. So I'm, I'm at September. I said August. I mean September. Look at you. <laughs> You're supposed to be a spokesperson. Tell Vaughn. I know, right? I'm telling Vaughn I'm on you. People in the next month. I'm people in the last month. <laughs> September 20, September 24th. Uh, at, in Atlanta, Georgia, at the Vision Cathedral of Atlanta, 704 Armwood. All right. Thank you, Bishop. I appreciate it. No, thank you. Take care now. You too.
This is Closer Look from WABE in Atlanta. I'm Rose Scott. Now, just moments ago, you all heard we talked about how many events were taking place this Labor Day weekend. Of course, Atlanta's Black Pride, Dragon Con, and college football. And this weekend's outdoor events will be the largest since the Georgia's permalist permitless carry law went into effect and of course music big town did not happen and although it was given as an official explanation it was not given as an exp- official explanation there was speculation that it was tied to the cancellation of the music festival well so it makes sense that organizers of upcoming fall events will be paying attention to events this weekend so let's talk about it joining me now is jamie ferguson spokesperson for atlanta pride committee which will host its festival next month october 7th to the 9th jamie welcome good to see you again hi great to see you thanks so much for having me let's begin here because how early do you all start preparing for this year's festival and i I imagine like atlanta black pride they start preparing last year we've been in covid in and out the last obviously last few years so How long ago did you all start planning for this year? I think for this year, we've been planning since 2020, and we're just itching to get back in person. Um, In a typical year, it takes a little more than uh, 12 months, maybe 14 months to plan a festival. So it's a continuous process, and we are already looking at things for 2023, even though 2022 hasn't happened yet. But you still have to be concerned with COVID-19, and now here comes the monkeypox, and then also just... There are security measures, which we'll get into that in a moment here, but let's talk about, well, the health and wellness aspect of this, because these are large events, the events this weekend, Pride, Atlanta Black Pride, Dragon Con football, those are lot, thousands of folks, and I, I stopped saying, I said I was going to stop saying super spreader events, because, <laughs> you know, I don't want to scare people, but look, there's a lot of folks in town. You all are going to be expecting a lot of folks. What are you paying attention to this weekend that you all can use for next month? Absolutely. So we are a nonprofit organization and wellness is one of our mission tenets. So the reason that we have not held our our festival in person the last two years is because wellness is a stated uh, important goal for our organization. So as we move back towards an in-person event this year, public health and public safety are absolutely top of mind. So for COVID concerns, we are limiting indoor events. Our parade and festival are uh, all outdoors, uh, which makes it a little bit easier to mitigate COVID specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, We are having uh, one or two small indoor events where masks will be required indoors. We're also increasing- They will be required. Indoors at those events. All of the events are indoor-outdoor events. So, for instance, at our VIP and kickoff party, if you want to stay outside maskless, you can. Uh, But if you come inside to use the restroom, to go to the bar, to get food, masks will be required inside. Let me stop you there and ask you, as a committee, did you all go back and forth? You don't have to mention names, but did someone say, well, no, you know, the numbers aren't as high. Maybe we we shouldn't mandate masks on the inside. Did you have a little bit of... Well, I think the tricky part is the numbers are still as high. Um, we just people are people are have pandemic fatigue. Um, but I'll be honest and say that not. I mean, I think some people are concerned about what other people will think. But no one on, in our uh, organization was against it. Um, we focused on having our VIP and kickoff party. We've moved it. It's a brand new location at the Atlanta Contemporary this year. Super excited. Mm -hmm. And the majority of the event will be outside. So those masks aren't required. But if people do go inside, we'll ask them to put on a mask for, you know, long enough to go to the restroom, get some, you know, get their food and then take their food back out, whatever they'd like to do. Um, So just so Mm -hmm. I'm clear, because someone just emailed me. So y'all will not be at Piedmont Park? 
Oh no! So the VIP and kickoff party okay, will be somewhere. Is that is, you know is you always tell folks you're not it's like oh Lord Rose what's happening? So <laughs> Saturday kickoff, and Sunday right. all of the park the the uh, the kickoff party is always offsite, but it's typically been indoors. We've moved it to an outdoor uh, location this year for uh, COVID nineteen mitigation. In the segment right before this, and I spoke to Bishop Allen. He talked about partnering and working with Atlanta APD for safety and, and other security measures. Let's be really clear, Jamie. We live in a space and time where you have to think about that. Sadly, some will say or tragically because large events. Well, we know the history here in our nation. So you all will be doing the same. Absolutely. So um, we are an event that has been targeted by protesters and detractors since the beginning. It, uh, Pride started as a protest in 1970. Mm-hmm. And since then, there have been people who wanted to speak out against us. And so security has always been top of mind for us. And we work uh, very closely. We have three levels of security at our parade and festival. We have trained volunteers who make sure that we're following our protocols, you know, check ideas as, IDs as secure areas. We use unarmed private security to help manage traffic control, to be on the lookout for things. And then we work closely with city, county, state, and federal law enforcement um, to make sure that we're um, prepared for anything that might happen. And does it, and someone listening says that's great, but also at the same time someone listening may say, my goodness, we got to have all that presence there and what that might do to the enthusiasm level, Mm -hmm. you know, for some folks. Because, you know, sometimes you see all that security and armed and i'm not saying the national guard's gonna be there but you never know you know it might it might trigger something so are you spreading this out so it just doesn't look like you know you have these armed security and apd folks (laughs) every time you turn around there's somebody but for sure so the reason that we use volunteers and pay unarmed paid private security in all of the places we can is to you know help keep that environment because just to be completely honest there are members of the lgbtq plus community communities of color, particularly transgender individuals who have uh, had negative experiences with law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Um, it is something that we are aware of. And we work really closely with our liaisons at APD to make sure that for our event, we are hiring officers who want to be there, who have cultural competency training, who are familiar with the community, and who we have um confidence are not going to be engaged in any sort of negative behavior with with the um, population we have at our festival and so we work very closely with them on that and our expectations that everyone will be res- treated with respect at our event um, and thankfully over there, there's new leadership at APD but over the years we've built great relationships where we're able to give honest feedback and you know let people know mm-hmm. you know how the experience is well how excited are you all to be back so excited. We are so, so excited. So this is, uh, you know, 2020 was our 50th anniversary as an organization. Um, and we had a fantastic digital event. There were over 100,000 engagements in the digital event. Um, but it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. You got to see folks. You got to so, hook folks. You got to, you know. Exactly. You need to dance, have a little music. Of course you got to dance. So this will be our 50th in-person event. And so we are super, super excited. We roll out the entertainment lineup next week. I wish I could tease it a little for you, but it's going to be very 
very good. Just We've give got, me, so I can tell you we have, hint. we have like superstars in like the rock and hip hop world, in the um, house and bounce world. We've got a country, uh, a huge big free, country big free star. To come I can't tell you who, <laughs> um, but we have got some super, super folks, local and national folks. We've got some um, different dance acts. We've got all sorts of community groups um, coming to do literature, spoken word, and we're going to have a really, really packed weekend. Okay, you don't need to give me initials. It's just a couple of people listening. I mean, not on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> you know how much trouble I would get in for that? I know. Like You went to Rose Scott's show and told everything. Uh, Jamie, before I let you get out of here, I, I want to also just focus on, because also, you know, concerns about within the LGBTQI communities, especially since uh, the Supreme Court overturning Roe versus Wade and Justice Thomas alluding to the fact that maybe other... Other things should be looked at. Mm-hmm. What are you all doing over there at Pride to have this conversation with, with the population, too? Sure. So in addition to uh, wellness, education and advocacy are some of our main tenets. We are doing huge uh, political education and get-out-the-vote efforts. As a 501c3 nonprofit, we do not endorse candidates, of but course. we do education on issues. We want people to know how they're impacted by laws. We have lots and lots of partners uh, coming out to the festival to do voter education, voter advocacy. The last day of voter registration is the Monday after our event, so we will be hitting it hard for voter registration all weekend and telling people how they can make sure they get out to the polls. There's some confusing voter laws in Georgia Mm -hmm. now, and so we're going to make sure people understand how to navigate them, and we're going to make sure that all of our constituents get out to vote this year. It's a huge year for voting in Georgia and make their voices heard. And so with whatever happens this weekend, you'll be taking notes and writing down I'll be watching I was at the mayor's event last night I'll be out at the park on Sunday checking out Pure Heat and uh, we'll be learning uh, from each other All right, Jamie Ferguson spokesperson for Atlanta Pride Committee thank you for taking the time as always good to see you great to see you thank you so much Closer Look continues from WABE in Atlanta. I'm Rose Scott. You know, I've said it many times. New chapters are great. That's what life is all about, right? The journey, not the destination. And for a veteran and award-winning TV journalist here in Atlanta, Portia Bruner, her career is entering into a new chapter. She's leaving the news anchor and her field reporting behind and now has a really plush, groovy, more comfortable chair. Did you really? Yes. I saw the chair as the host of a new, get this y'all, midday talk show called, of course, Portia. Let's welcome Portia Bruner. Thank you so much for taking the time. It is a pleasure and an honor. I have listened for a long, long time and have been a fan for a long time, so to... Be here on the other side of the mic. Uh-huh. You, it's a little you different. Always, yeah, uh-huh. see me rocking and <laughs> sitting in the chair a little uncomfortably. It, but it is a pleasure to do this with you for sure. You're nervous. You've you've been on this side for so many for so years. many years. You know what I'm realizing? All those times people were like, "Can you give me the questions beforehand?" I'm like, "No, no, no. Listen, it's just a natural conversation." Which is what you asked me before we came on there. I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm bust you out I and know. tell everybody. <laughs> What's your first question? No, 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 Miss Portia. Uh. Uh-uh. 
<laughs> so, yeah, I just wanted to make sure I get it right for you and for WABE listeners. Let me, let's go back. Do you remember the first story you covered for Fox 5? Absolutely. Here? What was it? Absolutely. It was July 24th, two thousand. Three, it was the opening of Camp Creek Marketplace. Wow. And um, it was a really big deal, right? Because at that point, you know, we're talking almost 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could go to Greenbrier Mall or you could get up on 285, right? And then get off and then go to 85 and then get over to Lenox Square. But mm-hmm. in terms of having a, a grand marketplace, with, you know, food and housewares and, you know, all the other mm-hmm. things, just a, a, a nice big uh, gas station, all that stuff. That was a, big. It was a huge. movie theater. Yeah. Um, so it was just really, it was a great way to just sort of get started and dive in. Um, but it was just also very special for me because January, July 24th was uh, my Nana's birthday, my, mm. my maternal grandmother's, p- paternal grandmother's birthday. Wow. And so she passed away in 2000. And I think if she were still living, oh, my father would smack my hand. I think she would be about 111 by wow. now. But I just remember thinking how proud she would be. You know, seeing her baby on TV. Yes. And it's not like I hadn't been doing it for a yeah. while. Right. I've, I've graduated from Howard in 95 and had been uh, on air in uh, Jackson, Mississippi and Norfolk, Virginia. But this was a different market. But this was, you know, you're hitting it big. It's Atlanta. Right. Mm-hmm. When you're in Atlanta. Did you always know this is what you wanted to do? I tell folks all the time. I knew when I was six years old, I had to be on the radio. I didn't know anything about NPR at six, but I knew I wanted to be on the radio because my dad listened to Cardinals baseball games with Jack oh, Buck. Oh, I wanted it. to do that. Did was it the same for you? It was the same for me, Rose. And I can tell you, my mother still has the cutouts. Remember that beige paper that we used to use for our penmanship? Mm-hmm. Uh, we also used for construction paper. Yep. <laughs> so there are cutouts where I I cut out women figures of women with newspapers, and uh, you know with newswomen. And that's what I put on, you know, on the days of what do you want to be when you grow up? It was a newswoman. And I didn't quite know what that meant, but I always liked storytelling. I always liked writing. And I always had the longest what did you do this summer uh, story because I just wanted to tell a story. I may not have even done all the stuff. but And you have been a journalist that tells stories. I mean, we're news reporters, but you've always, you've, you've, also been able to create the news reporting with storytelling in mind and I think that's what other journalists we recognize that in other folks not to say that everyone doesn't have that but everyone doesn't have that I mean you are a storyteller thank you I appreciate that I appreciate that I I take um, I think it is not something to take lightly the uh, concept of having the griot DNA passed down through our African ancestry right there's something to be said for telling stories and in this case and for what I was doing all these years you're usually meeting people on the worst day of their lives Mm -hmm. right and so you have to be sensitive to that for me it was a story for these folks this was uh, an event Mm -hmm. that was probably changing their lives and so I felt like it was important to honor them and and tell it in a way that was sensitive. Have you ever covered a story and I think I know the answer to this that emotionally was just Mm-hmm. It, it, it really impacted you. Cr- maybe you I can, cried. Oh, yes. Several. I mean, I can still, those are the ones you can't unsee, mm-hmm. right? And 
you know, I, I won't describe them because just even the visual, you know, in radio, obviously, the ability to tell a story with the picture. and But the pictures, I they all come to mind right mm-hmm. now. But I will say this. You cannot unhear a father crying mm-hmm. and showing you the medals that he pulled from the, the rubble of a burned house mm-hmm. of his, of you know, that his children won. Um, you cannot unhear a, a weeping mother when she first arrives on the scene of a crime and learns that her baby mm-hmm. is no longer with us. Um, so, yeah, there have been several times that you have to crawl back into the live truck and, and have a moment. Um, and I try to do that always in a private capacity because you don't want to diminish or in any sure. way distract from what mm-hmm. the people who I, at the end of the day, I'm going to go home mm-hmm. at the end of the day. That's not the end of the day. This is just the beginning of the new season of their lives. So I try not to ever become a part of it, but have plenty of times. Why now this this different chapter, this different pathway? So that is, well, I will say first, I firmly, firmly believe that this was God saying, tapping on the shoulder, okay, it's time to do something different, but I know that you love storytelling. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I just believe that this was what God was saying. And I have been praying, God, tell me what to do next, how to do it next. Um, But I also believe that uh, Fox 5 Atlanta Absolutely. The the management there, the larger, bigger picture team also saw an opportunity to create some local programming and focus on an audience of women whose stories aren't told every day. And while black women's stories are being amplified now mm-hmm. more significantly than they have in a long mm-hmm. time to just sort of very consistently every day have there's 30 minutes. Now, why do y'all pick 1 o'clock? Because you know that's when I'm on the air. Well, that was not by design. <laughs> Let me just say this. I was like, oh, Rose is going to come for me. She is. That being said. <laughs> they move you to 2, <laughs> right. noon. Well, there's a whole newscast on at noon that I was anchoring for well, a while. Uh, yeah. But it will also rebroadcast on Fox Soul. Mm-hmm. That'll play again on Fox Soul. So. What is going to be most exciting for you? Because mm. you get to just sit, kind of like what I'm doing, and and soak it all in. And, and, and as I tell people, curate the conversation. Not drive it, but curate the conversation. Yeah. And that's the difference, right? So the most exciting part for me, if I can be completely transparent, is that while there may be some tears shed with some of the topics we discussed, right? Because we're looking at faith and family and finances and mental health, fitness, physical fitness, um, dating, all kinds of things, right? Everything. Ooh, that, dating, really? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Come yeah. on that show. Yeah, yeah, no, you, I will, you got to. You wait till you see that episode. But there's there are going to be some things that sort of that's the conversations that all of us really mm-hmm. right black white brown men and women are having of every background and every socioeconomic background are having at their own tables with their own girlfriends with the you know the fellas they know but in this case what brings me the most sense of joy is that there's a there's a, a takeaway there's a here's what we want we hope you learn something from mm-hmm. this and it has a positive ending 
And that for me is what I have been craving is getting to tell stories that amplify Look, and no, have a bar and I'm not <laughs> borrowing it. It's the truth. I want to amplify. You, I'm sorry. So nice you cannot like, amplify Atlanta because we're amplifying Atlanta. You okay. Lift up can Atlanta. I, can I lift up? Can we you can can lift we, it up, but you can't amplify. That belongs to us. That does belong to you. Can we enlighten? Can we continue <laughs> to make people feel better after what they've Absolutely. watched? Let me ask you, do you say, well, you know what? Now that I'm in a different role as a storyteller, do you say I, I want to? maybe shift or change my approach or you're just going to be Porsche because sometimes I think when you leave from field reporting I used to be out there and then you mm-hmm. come into this seat I had to shift a little bit too because I wanted to and I got this from two of my mentors which you know Carmen Burns mm-hmm. and Dennis O'Hara right have always stressed to me Rose listen mm-hmm. listen first gather it in and then let that drive you and then ask the questions that you think Someone listening in the car the viewer or, or the listener, listener would, would want, want to ask. Yeah. So I have to be honest with you. The shift will be because for me, because we're on deadlines, right? You're, mm-hmm. and before I was anchoring, it was you're at live at noon and five and six, right? So you're doing your interviews and trying to put together story, but you're also structuring the story as you're mm-hmm. doing the interviews, right? You're mm-hmm. hearing the sound bites. You know, what do I have? Do I have both sides? Is this fair? Is it accurate? Are both sides represented, et cetera? So you're sort of listening to structure your stories for these deadlines. Mm-hmm. Uh, now the deadlines are there, but they're not in a daily format. Right. So I can listen in a different way, which I'm looking forward to. And um, while you know, you're still keeping an eye on your clock, mm-hmm. uh, the conversation is just longer. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have to cut the sound bite. You, you, you can you're, you're you can let, to the choir. You yeah. can let the sound you can let the sound bite go. As I tell folks, you let the story breathe. Mm-hmm. We're beyond sound bites. Right. Now let's talk about the set. Because I, I, I did comment on social media about your set. I, You're in a host chair. You should have something that stands out. I mean, everybody got the same type of chair. And I was like, okay, that's cool. But you should have a little, you know. So here's, here's what I believe. Yeah. My chair shouldn't be any different than your chair because we're all telling stories and I'm listening. I knew you were going to say that. And I want, I don't want people to think that I am any different, right? Well, it can at least be red or green or (laughs) multicolored. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) I want to make sure people understand this is a seat at our table and that all of the voices are going to be honored. And that in the way that I felt like I was, my job, my voice was supposed to be the the mortar between the brick and the Mm -hmm. brick of the characters and the stories. I'm just supposed to help put those together and shed light. I have a friend that just texted me and said, oh, my God, I didn't know I'm going to miss her, but I will watch her show, and I'll catch you at Seven Rose. See what happens? Oh, oh no, no. <laughs> See what's happening Wait. already? I'm losing <laughs> listeners because no, no, Portia. No. We can still listen to Rose well, and, and then be on the show. and Fox. I will, well, then how are we going to do that? Well, that we'll that's, figure that we'll out. We'll figure it out. We've got some other days that we shoot. What has, can you sum up your career as a journalist when you think about when you started where you are now and then the state of journalism wow. that you're leaving so i graduated from howard in 95 right hu you know yep and when i left there i started as a researcher and producer for a consumer reporter 
who had been on the air for years, who was a consumer producer researcher for a very popular investigative and consumer reporter. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that was that's how I started. And that's why I always sort of learned that your, the news should inform or educate or tell you how to keep something from happening to you. Even if you're talking about crime or a scam, it's what's the value added? It shouldn't just be, oh, dang, that happened? Mm -hmm. Now what? So from there, I mean, obviously the formats were different. Everything we were doing was different. But the, the concept of telling a good and informative and helpful story mm -hmm has always been the same and then it just it it grew and evolved right so i went to jackson mississippi started covering the state capitol ironically in 1998 i was covering the water crisis uh -huh. and it was not necessarily a water crisis at that point it was the condition of the mm -hmm. sewage the, and the water and sewer system and 2022 look where we are with jackson. to see if still having yeah. these conversations you know it just uh, with a, a different mayor and uh you know different authorities but still these uh, people, mm -hmm. real people who are just trying to figure out what am I going to do next? I can't even send my kid to school now. And I remember saying in the stories, you know, these are systems that are, you know, date back to the 40s and 50s. So, you know, it was covering more institutions at that point mm -hmm. and then going from covering and, and covering state legislature during the legislative session, which was always a lot of fun, yeah. um, especially when you're way too young and you don't know enough about public policy to even really be getting this right. But you're kind of <laughs> learning. Yeah. Um, and there's some lawmakers who just kind of take you in and explain some things. Um, but covering the news in Mississippi was also felt like a. a a real wonderful organic connection to ancestry and I don't have a direct lineage to Mississippi but mm -hmm. don't we all I do my folks are from Natchez and Shaw ah uh, yes yeah. so it's just felt like I mean being a, a black girl from Denver Colorado you know what I mean you're mm -hmm. born on a at Andrews Air Force Base and then raised in Denver Colorado everything you heard about Mississippi you know is and then yeah. you get there and it's like oh it felt like home. And then going to Virginia from there and Atlanta from here. Every job I've had on the air is in the South, and I love it. Has being a journalist all these years helped also shape you in some other ways that you recognize that you're, you weren't when you were, you know, when you first started out? Absolutely. Shaped parenting, yeah. for sure. Um, you've I've got had a chance just to interview a lot of mothers, see a lot of scenarios, good and bad. And now as a mother of black teenage boys, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes my sons are like, oh, yeah. you're doing too much, mom. That's not going to happen to us. It's OK. <laughs> and then you just also get to hear from yeah. a lot of beautiful stories. And I, I should tell folks two things. One. You are an amazing artist as well. Oh, thank you. I was going to buy one of your pieces, but it cost too much portion. It's a, what? No, you just you hit me up too late. I was like, I, I've got what? some new inventory, okay, though. I was like, I, I can't afford this. That's but. a Porsche Pates, too. But, <laughs> yes. but the Porsche show will also be showcasing some of that as well. I was going to ask you, you should totally, yeah, because you have some amazing pieces. And also... We're both thrifties. We love thrift stores. Oh, my stores. goodness. I'll see you around the corner a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. Weekdays at 1 p.m. on Fox 5. It debuts September 12th. Portia. Portia. As the folks down south say, Portia. Portia. No R. Just Portia. Thank you so much. I thank your listeners for um, years of support. And I thank you for just um, being a light and shining your light in a, a significant way and, and carrying on the tradition of being a griot. Best of luck to you. And to you, my sister. I'll be watching September 12th. 
I appreciate it. You're going to watch it here. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's it for this edition of Closer Look. Our producers are LaShawn Hudson, Daniel Rizal, and Pat St. Clair. Our engineer is Kevin Rinker. He rides a bike. A reminder to let us know your thoughts on today's program or any other. Send me an email, rose at wabe.org. And if you missed any of today's show, you can also listen online, wabe.org slash Closer Look. And, of course, Closer Look weeknights at 7 p.m. as well as our podcast. So subscribe to Closer Look wherever you like. Everyone have a safe, healthy, productive weekend. Also, don't forget about House in the Park. Stay tuned to 90.1 WABE Atlanta. I'm Rose Scott. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. The Gold Dome Scramble podcast is now plugged in, a WABE Politics podcast. New name, same on-the-ground reporting from us, WABE Politics reporters Sam Greenglass and Raul Bally. We'll cover local, state, and national politics as we talk to politicians and voters to break down each week's biggest headlines. New episodes drop on Fridays. Listen and subscribe at WABE.org or your favorite podcast platform. WABE.